Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It is Wednesday, February the 3rd. I'm Tom Tilly, joined by Annika Smethurst. Morning, Tom. Good to be with you. Look, in our briefing today, will the Tokyo Olympics actually go ahead? I think it's been really tricky to have to train it at such a high level and and to be training at such a high intensity without knowing whether or not the Olympics are going to go ahead. Oh, yeah, it's been tricky for the athletes. But what about the organisers? We're going to speak to the boss of the Australian Olympic Committee about how they're going to actually try and pull this off. First, let's get to the big stories of the day. A former Collingwood director says the football club's entire board should resign after its Do Better report found systemic racism at the club. Former Pies director David Gabbley QC has said the club has lost the plot under Eddie Maguire and he told the ABC it's time for a total clean-out. The whole membership of that board has to take responsibility for what has happened. doesn't just rest with Eddie Maguire, it's the board. Each member of the board is responsible for the decisions that are made. Yesterday, Heretia Lamumba, the 2010 grand final winner, whose allegations sparked the probe, said the club's response was cowardly. It was cowardice because it wasn't simply living up to not taking accountability, not accepting the fact that the football club has caused serious harm, as the report states. Yeah, Eddie Maguire's choice of words, that it was a proud day for the club upon the the release of the report, was also criticised by the AFL CEO, Gil McLaughlin. The articulation of the report yesterday was was challenging uh, in its wording and certainly some stuff like questions I asked about Ed and, you know, I'm disappointed the focus today is around the way the report was talked to rather than uh, the report itself. Then last night, Maguire told the Magpies annual general meeting that he got it wrong. I did not mean we were proud of past incidents of racism and the hurt that it caused. I am not. It's been interpreted widely that way and I regret that deeply. What a mess, Annika. You're a Collingwood fan. What do you make of the way this has played out this week? It's awful, Tom. When you have to apologise for an apology, you know you've got it wrong. It's so bad. Look, I'm not a member this year. I have been a lot over the years, um, but because of COVID, it, it just didn't seem like something I'd be getting to do this year, go to the footy much. But if I did, I'd seriously consider returning it. I just think there has been some pretty bad incidents in the past. I think doing this report is a good thing, but... The way it was handled has just been terrible. And to hear Eddie Maguire come out and say it was a proud day for the club, I thought it was a very forward-leaning thing of him to say and obviously missed the mark completely. So is that him just getting that sort of moment wrong or does it say something deeper? Is that why it's caused so many people to be outraged? Look, I think there's two things at play here. They weren't prepared to, you know, respond to it that day. The, The report was leaked. That's not an excuse. We know how many people football clubs have around them in media departments and things like this. And Eddie himself, we've had him on the show. He's a good media performer usually, but he does have a little bit of a track record for saying some things, which he's later had to apologise for. And he didn't seem genuine, I don't think. I think he's had a rethink about that. And perhaps it was just in the moment and it was a pretty big moment for the club, but he got it wrong. And I'm glad he's acknowledged that now, but... It definitely wasn't a proud day as somebody who grew up watching, you know, Harry O, Heredia, Lamumba. I had his number on the back of my top and, um, yeah, awful stuff. I guess the question about Eddie Maguire is, um, you know, he's planning to see out the season as the president, but everyone's, you know, now asking the, the question, can he really be the guy to, to lead them out of this racism problem? Um, do you think he will hang on for the season? 
Look, if he's going to go, it might be this week. If he gets through this week, I'm sure he'll stay. A lot of the problem is they probably don't have anybody else in mind just yet. They might have to have to get an interim president in. I'm satisfied that, you know, he is going and there is going to be change at the top. I think it's been a long time coming. He was amazing when he came in. Collingwood were in a terrible position, if you think back to when Eddie first took on this role. But the times have changed and, you know, I think it is time for him to go and I think the end of the year will definitely be long enough. And to controversy in rugby league, Israel Folau is reportedly on the verge of an NRL comeback that would force him to keep his religious beliefs to himself. According to the nine newspapers, he's considering a $1 million offer from St George Illawarra. Yeah, and media reports suggest it includes a gag order so he wouldn't get the code into the same trouble he did when he was at uh, Rugby Union. Um, Folau's contracted to play for France's Catalan Dragons in the UK Super League this year, but he came back to Australia over summer when his wife gave birth to their first child. In the past, senior NRL officials have said he isn't welcome in the game. However, NRL CEO Andrew Abdo says the league will decide once it gets his application to play. It's pure speculation at this point because we don't have a formal application. But when someone does make an application, of course there are contextual factors that are taken into account. Um, And that'll include things that have happened, um, I suppose, throughout his career. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see what the NRL do here. There was also some controversy at the Dragons because they let go of their much-loved captain, Cameron McGuinness, who's gone to Cronulla, whilst they're obviously courting Folau. Still talking sport, the Aussie Test team won't be going to South Africa for its tour, with it being postponed just three weeks before they were due to depart. Yeah, Cricket Australia says the second wave there in South Africa and the new strain of the virus is an unacceptable health risk. And it's very disappointing for the Australian cricket team. It'll make it very hard for them to achieve the long-held dream of winning the World Test Championship. And as if a COVID lockdown wasn't enough, Western Australia is now dealing with a bushfire emergency too. At least 59 homes have been destroyed by the 80-kilometre fire front, which is burning at Wooraloo, northeast of Perth. There are fears that more houses may have been lost. Yeah, hundreds of fireys spent the night fighting the flames, which were fanned by strong, erratic winds. And a New South Wales large air tanker has arrived to help. Like much of the state, though, the affected area is in lockdown till Friday. But Police Commissioner Chris Dawson says, obviously, fire would be an exception. If you are under threat, leave your property and go to suitable premises. Don't stay in that property if you think you have to obey the COVID rules. You must leave the property if you're under threat and go to suitable premises and keep us informed. And some very sad news out of Britain. Captain Sir Tom Moore, the UK war hero who raised millions for Britain's National Health Service by doing 100 laps of his garden, has died of COVID-19. Yeah, the 100-year-old already had pneumonia and as a result didn't get the COVID-19 vaccine. Sir Tom was admitted to hospital three days ago, but died overnight. In a statement announcing the news, his daughter said that the last year of his life was nothing short of remarkable and that he'd experienced things he'd never dreamed of. Yeah, and he was knighted by the Queen, um, which is pretty amazing. All right, Annika, we'll catch you tomorrow. Jan Fran's coming in as we interview the boss of the Australian Olympic Committee. The Games of the 32nd Olympiad in 2020 are awarded to the city of Tokyo. Are the Tokyo Olympics doomed? Yeah, the organisers of the rescheduled Olympic Games say it will be going ahead, and that's despite intense speculation. 
and the lack of support from the Japanese public. Organizers of the Tokyo Olympics have pushed back against reports that the once-delayed summer games will be cancelled. Now a rise in infections has raised questions. Japan doubled down on its commitment to host the games this year. This was a rumour, call it a fake rumour, call it what you want. Yeah, hundreds of Australian athletes and coaches are still set to head to Tokyo in July to compete in 39 different sports. But as the middle of the year approaches, that reality is looking a little bit shaky. Yeah, so on this episode of The Briefing, is it really possible to get 11,000 athletes and all the officials to Tokyo by July? So the current COVID situation in Japan is, well, it's not great. The country is in the midst of a third wave of coronavirus infections. Just over a fortnight ago, they were seeing 7,000 cases a day. Now, those numbers are dropping, but parts of the country, including Tokyo, will remain under a state of emergency until at least March. Now, Japan has over 120 million people in its population. So those figures, those daily case rates, are nothing compared to the UK, but they are relatively bad compared to Japan's first and second wave. Yes, and there is also the small matter of most Japanese people not actually wanting the games to be held this year. Yeah, poll conducted in December by the national broadcaster NHK found that more than 60% of respondents wanted the games cancelled or postponed. Yeah, so there are a lot of considerations to take into account here, like why it's worth the risk. How they could actually go ahead safely. And also if it was delayed, what would that mean for Brisbane's 2032 bid? Also what it's like for the athletes going through all of this. We're going to put a lot of those questions to the boss of the AOC, the Australian Olympic Committee, in a moment. First, let's get the athlete perspective. Chloe Dalton's a rugby gold medalist from Rio. Um, We won the sevens there. Chloe, how hard has it been this time gunning for Tokyo with all this uncertainty in the air? Yeah, I think it's been really tricky to have to train at at such a high level and and to be training at such a high intensity without knowing whether or not the Olympics are going to go ahead. And what about when... Two weeks ago, this article comes out from the Times saying it's not going ahead and then you you see the Japanese government scrambling to respond. Are moments like that difficult? Yeah, it's really hard. We were at training that day and one by one girls kept coming out into the gym because they'd been sent screenshots from things on Twitter. Wow. Mm. Social media these days, you almost find out quicker through different people and so we all came together and we're feeling pretty stressed about it and at times I think it's pretty difficult to know who to believe with things like that. So how do you manage the stress? Uh, that's a good question. I think um, for us, it's it's probably realising that we need to prepare as best we possibly can. Because I know for me, if I go in kind of half-baked for the Olympics, I'll regret that I didn't give it everything I had. So mm. for us, it's like we're just going to prepare that it is going ahead. And in the case that it does get cancelled, then we'll, we'll kind of reassess and work out what's next from there. But I know for me, it's, it's the pinnacle of, of sport. So I want to be um, in the best possible shape. In, in short, I guess it's you just put it into the tackle bag. Jen, you just, you know, lay the shoulder in, keep going in. Um, What's it like seeing the reports out of Japan where polls have shown that Japanese people are really worried about it and the majority of them would like to see it postponed according to those polls? Does that weigh into your thinking and do, do you sort of worry about their concerns? Yeah, I think so, because at the end of the day, it's a global pandemic and, and the number one priority is obviously people's health and safety. So it's sometimes a bit strange to think that sport may be prioritised over that. Um, obviously, we put so much effort into it over years and years and years, but it's tricky when you see that it's causing a lot of people stress. So I, I trust what the IOC are doing in terms of making sure that it's 
going to go ahead if it does in the most safe way possible. But yeah, it is pretty tricky um, when you're seeing the effects it's having around the world. Mm. What have you been told about the way that it will go ahead? Do you have any kind of details and are they making you feel reassured? Yeah, we're getting communication from AOC and IOC around that it's going to be a very different Olympics if it does go ahead, including testing and, and flying in on shorter notice than what we usually would. And I think within the village, it'll be bubble systems and, and different things like that. So I think mm. it's going to be a really different experience than what we had in Rio, the big party city. Um, but if it does go ahead, hopefully it'll, it'll still work well. Well, Chloe, we hope you win gold again. And, you know, congratulations on Rio and, and all the best for this year um, when hopefully it goes ahead. Thanks so much. That was Chloe Dalton. So clearly challenging Jan for the athletes, but um, obviously a massive headache for the organisers as well. We have the CEO of the Australian Olympic Committee with us, Matt Carroll. Matt, thanks for joining us. When you took on this job in 2017, you couldn't have foreseen how tricky it would be. What's it been like and what are you focusing on right now? Well, I guess, yes, there certainly was no um, P for postponement of Olympic Games in the file for my predecessors. But um, um, look, no, obviously not unexpected, as was unexpected for the whole world. Um, the focus at the moment, uh, amongst many other things, but is uh, obviously getting the Australian Olympic team uh, to the Tokyo Games. And may I say the Australian Winter Olympic team to the Beijing Games just over a, a year away. Um, safe and sound. Uh, they can perform at their best and bring them home uh, safe and sound. That's the main focus of the AOC. There are people who think that the game shouldn't go ahead, um, including a lot of Japanese people in um, recent polls that have been conducted. I guess the concern there is that it could risk lives. Why do you think the game should go ahead and why do you think it's worth the risk? The Olympic Games is very special. It's an opportunity for the world to reconnect. It's an opportunity for the world to show it can move on uh, through a crisis. The games are going to be very different. It's all going to be mainly all about the athletes and the competitions. The athletes will come in um, only four to five days before their competition and leave 48 hours afterwards, they'll be in the village, they'll be at their training venues and they'll be at their competition venues. The, the ceremonies, very important Olympic Games have been scaled back. The uh, cultural interactions, very important Olympic Games, sadly, have been scaled back. But for the athletes, the most important thing is going to the Games. They've been trying for four years to do this. And uh, we is our job to make it possible for them. For the Japanese people, the Japanese government has all the protections they're designing put in place uh, to look after the Japanese people. And the International Olympic Committee is working very closely with them on that. What are we learning about how it will work? Like, will the village be used as a quarantine facility? What do you know so far? So it's not really a quarantine facility. Um, it's certainly going to be uh, an important, uh, you know, safe, well-cleaned, well-serviced uh, area. Athletes will arrive... Leave, sorry, leave Australia, uh, having been tested 72 hours before. They will arrive into uh, Tokyo and be tested at the airport. The Japanese have a 10-minute a test, so every every uh, athlete and official arriving will be tested before they go to the village. If they test positive, uh, unfortunately, if that was the case, uh, they go to a quarantine hotel. They don't go into the village. So the village is about being safe and secure. Uh, they compete. Uh, they don't uh, mix, uh, again, as I said, sadly, with, uh, in, into the city. They go home um, within 48 hours. The case numbers in Japan have come down in the last few weeks since that third wave appeared to peak. What's your reaction to those numbers? How closely are you following them? Well, we follow the numbers, but I remember it's not just where the virus is in Japan at the moment. A lot of the athletes are still going through qualifications. Uh, so we keep an eye on that uh, around the world so we can provide our sports and our athletes. So, and that, as I said, that goes for the Winter Games as well. Will all Australian athletes be vaccinated? That's the decision for an athlete to get vaccinated. We're encouraging it. 
We've had discussions with the government. There's no queue jumping, but it looks as though uh, it could be possible to have the uh, Australian athletes uh, going to the Tokyo Games vaccinated around May of this year. So you won't make it mandatory? Uh, no, but highly encouraged. And look, some sports may, from the Australian Olympic Committee's point of view, it is not compulsory, but as I said, it will be highly, highly recommended. How difficult is the uncertainty for a lot of the athletes right now? Well, it has been uncertainty since uh, before the postponement announcement last year. Uh, so one of the things we've done constantly over the, over the till today and will continue to do until after the Games is communicate with them. That story that came out two weeks ago that caused a lot of conjecture, the, the Times in, in the UK said that it wouldn't be going ahead, that Japan were unofficially already working towards 2032. How unsettling was that in the camp? Well, it was very. It certainly don't destroy for that particular Friday, um, <laughs> because it was it was just wrong. And yeah, you know, interestingly, the journalist from the Times has now written articles, which has sort of backed away from the article that he wrote, um, you know, two weeks ago. That afternoon, you now the Prime Minister of Japan stood up in Parliament and announced the games are proceeding. So, for those athletes who are struggling through this, is it the hardest for the athletes who are close to retirement? Because a lot of people plan their careers around Olympic Games. I want to get to, you know, the 2020 or 2021 Olympics and then I want to hang up the boots or or whatever piece of paraphernalia they'll be hanging up. Um, (laughs) Is it the hardest for those athletes? It's hard for every athlete. They don't know whether this is going to be their first games, their second games or their last games, unless they're going to retire, obviously. And then some athletes uh, who were going to Tokyo, uh, the Tokyo Games last year, obviously postponed this year, have retired because, you know, that was what they wanted to do. So they never made it to their final games are aiming to go for them. Others, this may be their first games and last games. So that's why it's so important and why the IOC and all the national Olympic committees all around the world are working so hard to make these games happen for for the reason just said, you know, striving for four years or eight years. There's not that many um, Olympians around the world and there's certainly not that many that get a medal. So um, it, it is very important for, for the athletes, yes. Now, Matt, when that story came out two weeks ago, part of it was that Tokyo were working towards 2032 instead of going ahead this year. Now, that is the year that Brisbane is trying to get the Olympics. How is that bid going and how strong are our chances? Look, the candidature has been obviously the important thing this year for governments and you know even ourselves has been the, the pandemic so but the uh, the business of uh, pulling together the candidature has been preceding the background uh, that is progressing we'll have further meetings with the IOC it's not a, it's not a bid anymore it's a, a very organized process of dialogue with the IOC uh, and that has been continuing um, the, the chances look we've got a hat in the ring uh, we think we're very good there are other cities around the world who no doubt think the same thing so uh, we'll put the credentials uh, along with the Queensland government the federal government and the, and the local councils, Brisbane City Council, Sunshine and Gold Coast, forward to the IOC um, at the appropriate time and uh, I think we're pretty good. Just on the Winter Games, there are some human rights advocates that are calling on Australia to boycott Beijing in 2022 because of China's treatment of the Uyghurs. Are you considering pulling us out of those games? No, no, we're not. Um, look, over the decades, uh, boycotts of games and, and other major sporting events have, have seldom, if ever, uh, been successful at um, you know, changing human rights or changing political reasons and whatnot. They just have not been successful. And the most important thing about the games, it actually shines a light on the host city, wherever it might be. And it's an opportunity for the world to come together and demonstrate the importance of human rights and the importance of uh, working together. And uh, that, by example... Um, I think you can make change rather than by by boycotts. That was Matt Carroll there, the CEO of the Australian Olympic Committee. And it is really tricky with 
stories like this, right? Because like COVID. <laughs> well, like COVID. But you know, things change weekly, if not daily, right? So we could be looking at this story in two weeks from now and it could be a completely different picture. So we just go on the information that we have right now. Yeah, and I know my posture is eternally optimistic on all issues almost, but I I think the world will look quite different by July. I think a lot of people are looking at Japan at the moment going, oh, it'd be really tricky to put it on right now. But as you point out, a lot's changed in just a few weeks, seeing those case numbers come down. Mm. Case numbers are coming down in the US and the UK, so it's a lot about the case numbers in those other countries as well. Yeah, it's very much a global situation. Yep, and vaccine rollout has started early signs from countries like Israel that are pushing, you know, a long way ahead on the vaccine rollout are really positive. I think the COVID situation could look quite different by July. I just think you want the Winter Olympics to go ahead because you're so (laughs) into skiing. That's it. That's your motivation. It's all about 2022. It's all about you and your love of skiing. All right. Tomorrow on The Briefing, is the QAnon movement over? A Podcast One production.